Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and <laughs> asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know, yesterday I was sitting there working thinking about the show this week and wondering what I'm going to talk about and how it wasn't really the busiest of weeks in Chicago sports. A lot of hypotheticals were on the Bears. Bears are Monday Night Football. Trying to think, okay, how am I going to fill the time? What sound am I going to pull? And then all of a sudden, the Blackhawks announced Jeremy Colleton is fired. Now, I know a couple weeks ago I said I wasn't going to talk Blackhawks much on the show, but this is a big one. We got to talk about it. The Blackhawks are meeting with the media right now. We'll have some highlights from that as well. A lot now to get to on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I am your host, Nick Schultz. It is awesome to be back with you for another week here. Apologies for the technical issue to start the show. Yeah, it's a big day, especially for the Chicago Blackhawks. As I said, Jeremy Colleton fired yesterday. This is a nice Saturday news dump by the Blackhawks. Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson and Interim head coach Derek King are meeting with the media right now. We will have updates from that throughout the show. I wish I could play it live, but I don't know if I have the capability to. So if I see any quotes that jump off the page, I will read them. We will talk about them. It is a big day today. Sheldon Brookbank and Tomas Mattel, I think it's Mattel, also were fired by the Blackhawks yesterday. So it was basically a whole house cleaning, except for Mark Crawford. Mark Crawford is staying on as an assistant coach. He honestly would have been my pick for interim head coach. But instead, they went with Derek King, who came up from Rockford. They gave him the interim tag, which means this is not permanent. And that's something they didn't do with Jeremy Collin. More on that in a little bit. But big things, I mean, it's been a big couple weeks for the Blackhawks off the ice as well. We talked about that a couple weeks ago in that situation Now on the ice, we're seeing changes get made as well. Kyle Davidson getting right to work. And I'll be honest with you, Charlie Romeliotis over at NBC Sports Chicago posted a picture from the press conference that's going on right now, and I had no idea what Kyle Davidson looked like. This is the first time he's met the media since everything went down with the sexual abuse investigation and Stan Bowman stepping down, getting fired, depending on who you ask. So this is the first time he's meeting the media. And when Stan Bowman left the organization, it was basically a consensus around the Blackhawks beat, and I said it too. 
that was the only guy protecting Jeremy Colleton's job because that was that was Stan's guy. That's who Stan Bowman handpicked to replace Joel Quinville. And it didn't work out. I knew I knew it wouldn't from the start, just by the, he didn't have the respect right away. You know, when you talk about Coach Q and how he was on the bench and with the team, he had respect. Jeremy Colleton had to earn the respect, and he didn't have it right away, and I'm not sure he ever had it. You know, he was young, which is fine. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of a guy for being young. I'm used to being the youngest one in the room, 23 years old. So I'm not going to use that as something against him in terms of, oh, he's young, he couldn't handle it. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... He's young and maybe he could have brought some new ideas, but I'm not I'm just not sure he had the respect. And the Blackhawks, what they did when they hired, I remember when it all happened too. When Quenville got fired, I've told the story on the show. I heard it on the radio and thought I was dreaming. And I heard them say Jeremy Colleton is the new coach, not interim coach, new coach. So what the Blackhawks did, they fired their coach who took them to three Stanley Cups and playoff run after playoff run. At the time, he was a beloved figure in Chicago sports. Obviously, now, after everything involving Kyle Beach and that investigation, that's not so. But at the time, he was a beloved figure in Chicago sports. It was a surprise when he was fired. And then they bring in Jeremy Colleton from Rockford, who had, he spent one year with the Rockford Ice Hogs, and... They made him, okay, you're the new coach. Not interim coach, you're the new coach. Want to know something crazy? Joe Quinville was fired October 6th. I'm sorry, November 6th, 2018. You know what yesterday's date was when Jeremy Colleton got fired? November 6th. Three years to the day. I'm sensing a trend. But this time around, Derek King is not the new Blackhawks coach. He is the interim coach, which is what they should have done from the get-go with Jeremy Colleton. They should have given him the interim tag, see how it went, and then remove the interim tag. It was the second time that a Chicago team did that in the span of a couple months. Because when Fred Hoiberg got fired from the Blackhawks, Jim Boylan was brought on as the coach, not the interim coach, not until we find somebody. No, he was the coach. And we all know how that worked out. So Jeremy Colleton's gone. Press conference is going on right now. I have not seen any quotes that tell anything, for lack of a better phrase, in terms of I haven't seen any quotes that jump off my Twitter page right now. If I do, I will bring them up. We will discuss them. If you want to chime in on any of this, slide into my Twitter DMs at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I, I, I remember saying I wasn't going to talk Blackhawks much on this show, but we got to talk about this. You know, let's go through Colleton's tenure with the Hawks. Now, like I said, he only spent one year at Rockford, which is the AHL team for the Blackhawks. It's to, to equate it, because I'm a baseball guy, to, to equate it, it's the minor leagues of the NHL. It's the G League of the NHL, if you're an NBA fan. So he spent one year there before coming up and replacing Joel Quinville. His first season after Q was fired um, in the 
67 games that Jeremy Collett was on the bench for. They went 30-28-9. And then second season, 32-30-8. They made the playoffs that year. Last year, obviously, the COVID year, 24-25-7. and And this year, oof, 1-9-2. That's, uh, that's not good. You know, it felt like a matter of time before Jeremy Colleton was let go as the coach. You know, I've been saying it for a while now that I didn't think he was the guy, and this year proved it. And even Kyle Davidson just now said, quote, the results are what they are, not good enough. I think the message that was being delivered wasn't translating on the ice. During the offseason, this goes back to defense. During the offseason, we heard Jeremy talk about the defensive system, the system that's being put in place. They're going to get better on defense. Defense has regressed unbelievably. You have a great goalie, an all-time goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. And he can only stop so many pucks. So the defense has to show up. And this, well, right as I was going to make this point, Blackhawks GM Kyle Davidson, quote, the losses aren't the issue, it's how you lose. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's how you lose. And the Blackhawks have been losing really ugly. And here's from Ben Pope at Chicago Sun-Times, front of the show. Uh, the Blackhawks won't start their search for a permanent coach until after the season. That's how they should have done it in the first place when they let Quinville go. This goes back to Stan Bowman not being a good general manager. He saw a guy that he wanted. He, he and Q didn't get along. That's been pretty well documented that Bowman and Quinville did not get along. So he found a guy, he was set on that guy, and he hired him right away. What he should have done is what Kyle Davidson is doing right here. Give him the interim tag, have him finish out the season, and then go find a permanent coach if you don't like what you see. They missed the playoffs the year they fired Quinville. This year, it's early. We're only 11 games into this thing. They're not going to make the playoffs this year if they keep playing the way they're playing. You have more overtime losses than wins. Now, I'm not a hockey expert. Never played hockey in my life outside of NHL, the video game. But I know more overtime losses than wins is not a good thing. And the Blackhawks are 1-9-2. and two. I want to take you back to last year when I sat in this chair, and it was in this chair because I was working remotely at the time. That was when we started doing the remote broadcast for WLEW, which we're still doing now. I sat here talking about the Blackhawks, and I was talking about my displeasure with Stan Bowman which one am I not talking about how unhappy I am with Stan Bowman? And I brought up the coach. And I pulled the sound because I just want to look at how this aged. 
Another thing. Is Jeremy Colleton really the guy to get through a rebuild? I mean, I know he doesn't have any NHL head coaching experience and he was big on the developmental side. That's why he's their coach now. But is he the guy to start a rebuild with? I mean, I look at other teams around town and yeah, the, the Cubs started with Mike Quaddy, which was a joke. And then Dale Swaim, who was a joke. They were basically just placeholders until even Ricky Renteria came in. You knew they were on the upswing, and then Joe Madden became available. So is, is Jeremy Colleton just another one of those, like, he's just there to fill the spot? Is he, is he the guy that they're sold on to lead this team all the way through? I don't think so. I, don't, I think he's just kind of there. You watch him during games. I mean, even even Joel Quinville. Yeah, Joel Quinville didn't talk. He wasn't like Mr. Personality with the media. Like, I mean, he was short, sweet, to the point, give you the soundbite. But you watch him during games. He's animated. You watch Jeremy Collin during the games. He's just standing there. And I'm not. I mean, I'm not one to like say I'd be a better hockey coach because I got to tell you, there's no way I'd be able to coach a hockey team. I wouldn't know what I was doing. So I'm not one to say, oh, he's a bad coach, but. If you if you watch him, I just don't know if he's the guy. And that's like been the catchphrase of everything, is the guy. Is he the guy to get this team through this, to rebuild with? I'm not sure. Let me tell you, that aged pretty well, didn't it? Like going back and listening to it again, like maybe I had a point for once. It's very rare that I make a point like that and it ages that well. But that was a year ago. And now here we are. And Kyle Davidson just now, I've not seen any quotes outside of... So the way this is going on with this press conference, I mean, this this is weird for me. It's happening right now. I mean, the general manager and interim head coach of the Blackhawks are talking as we speak. So I'm relaying in real time what they're saying and reacting to it in real time. So I have not seen any quotes from Derek King. I know Scott Powers is doing a great job with videos, but obviously on the air can't listen to videos. So I'm seeing quotes from Kyle Davidson, the general manager, and he brings one up here, quote, we were making mistakes that were correctable that weren't being corrected. Now, I should have probably put this little disclaimer, I guess, full disclosure out there before I started. Um, I have not watched the Blackhawks game in probably two weeks. You know, when everything went down with that investigation, I kind of quit watching. And I knew, I mean, I didn't watch anyway because they were that unwatchable. But after all that went down with the investigation and the responses and everything that happened, I kind of quit watching them. So I have not watched a Blackhawks game in a couple weeks. So when it comes down to mistakes that should be corrected, that aren't being corrected, I cannot tell you what those are because I have not watched. I have seen a couple highlights on my Twitter feed because I still follow the Blackhawks on Twitter and I follow my guys at NBC Sports Chicago on Twitter and they post highlights all the time. So I've seen highlights. But in terms of telling you what those mistakes are, I can't tell you. The moral of the story here with Jeremy Colleton, and Mark Lazarus made this point in The Athletic 
this was yesterday afternoon, yesterday night. His headline was, with the Blackhawks, Jeremy Colleton never stood a chance. And he's right. Let's go through some of the points that Laz makes in this column. You know, Colleton got a head coaching gig in the NHL at the age of 33, despite never having been behind an NHL bench. He was never even an assistant in the NHL. And this is from Mark Lazarus. His resume featured 57 NHL, just 57 NHL games as a player, a few years coaching in a second-tier Swedish league, then barely a year in the AHL. And he somehow kept his job into a fourth season despite never guiding a winning team, despite never finishing a season in a playoff spot, despite never turning around the league-worst defense that got Joel Quenville fired in the first place. That playoff spot I mentioned with season two, Actually, it might have been season three. Either way, it was the bubble. It was season two that that happened because that was after the COVID shutdown and the NHL kind of put the Blackhawks in the bubble for the playoffs. And Laz goes on here. I, I love reading Mark Lazarus for this line especially. Colleton was handed a golden ticket but had all the success of Augustus Gloop, Violet Beauregard, Veruca Salt, and Mike TV. The immediate and general consensus among Blackhawks fans after his firing Saturday seemed to be, quote, good riddance. Perfectly understandable. Stan Bowman's grand experiment failed, is over, and eventually a new general manager will hire a new head coach and a new era of Blackhawks hockey can truly begin. In the meantime, interim GM Kyle Davidson had to do something after a 1-9-2 start including Friday night's bottoming out in Winnipeg. So Derek King will hold down the fort for the Blackhawks while the Blackhawks figure out the path forward. Hell, the season's already lost, so there's really not much urgency anyway. The golden ticket reference, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory reference, I'm not refer. it's not, a, well, I guess the book was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but that's off my point. That's a perfect analogy for what happened here. Stan Bowman elevated Jeremy Colleton to this job with very little experience and just gave him the job. Now you see why it was such a big gamble. And it just didn't work. Here's a quote from Derek King, the the new interim coach of the Blackhawks, Derek King, quote, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm excited, a lot of emotions. <laughs> so that's the news going on with the Blackhawks right now. If you missed it, if you're just if you're just joining the show, uh, Blackhawks fired Jeremy Colleton yesterday after three years and maybe a little, if you want to count this year. Derek King is the interim coach. Interim GM Kyle Davidson made the decision, and the press conference is going on as we speak. And here's from Paul Sullivan at the Tribune. Newhawks coach Derek King said he was, quote, shocked when asked to replace Colleton and said, quote, sure, why not? <laughs> We're going to give you an NHL coaching job in third largest market in the country. And the response is, sure, why not? I like this guy. I haven't even heard him. I haven't heard him talk. I've only seen the quotes, but I like this guy. That was the other thing. That's what I brought up in that clip about Jeremy Colleton. If you listen to his press conferences, like, I mean, 
Joe Madden in his press conferences was awesome. Tony LaRusso's press conferences, I know people have their feelings about Tony and whatnot, but his press conferences, you learn, I feel like I learned something. Billy Donovan, I could listen to Billy Donovan's New York accent deal with the Chicago media all day. We won't talk about Matt Nagy's press conferences. They only make me angry. But Jeremy Cowton's, they kind of made me angry too because I just felt like he was there. I mean, he wasn't, I didn't feel like there was much emotion. And I didn't learn anything. We're going to continue to follow this as the show goes on. If I see any quotes that stand out, I'm waiting for a tweet with a comment from Kyle Davidson about taking over the GM role. I'm hoping and guessing that will be asked. I have a feeling, because this is the first time Kyle Davidson is meeting the media since everything happened with the fallout from the sexual abuse investigation into the Blackhawks. So I expect a couple questions for the Blackhawks interim GM about not really the investigation itself, but the fallout taking over the role, what his plan is going forward, what the timeline is for him to be in the GM spot. I expect that to be asked as well. I don't know how long this press conference is going to go. We're going on 22 minutes of them talking to Kyle Davidson and Derek King. I will keep you updated as the show goes on, but I do want to move on because there is another hot button issue of two hot button issues in football that I want to talk about, but one closer to home that I'm going to start with. So the Cleveland Browns this week, if you haven't followed, Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer with the Browns. They granted him his release. Well, they will grant him his release tomorrow, but they've come to an agreement that it just didn't work out. There's been a lot of drama there. He cut off contact with Kevin Stefanski. And now he is no longer in Cleveland. He will be hitting the waiver wire Monday afternoon. So I said this is closer to home. Why am I bringing this up? This is not close to home. It's in Cleveland. Why am I bringing this up? Because we talk about Chicago sports and Chicago Bears football. Whenever a big name free agent comes about like this or a big name waiver wire target comes out like this, the question is, should the Bears make a run at him? And I was really thinking this was just going to be a big no from Bears fans, from Bears media, etc. But after listening to the radio this week, there are people in town who say, if you hear good things about Odell Beckham, go get him. Or they just said, yeah, why not? Go get him. Get another target. I want nothing to do with Odell Beckham Jr. I do not want him anywhere near my favorite football team. It's bad enough Matt Nagy is near my favorite football team now that he's out of his quarantine bunker, which was also apparently known as a hotel in Lake Forest. But I don't want Odell Beckham near my favorite team, my quarterback, 
He forced his way out of New York because he wasn't happy. He wanted to go to Cleveland. So he went to Cleveland. And now that's done. And where's he going to go now? Where's he going to want to go now that he's going to want to force his way out of soon? That's not good for a locker room. And that's not a football take. That's a sports take. I do not want him anywhere near my favorite team's locker room. And I know the resident Lions fan, Jonah Blatt, chimes in. The Lions have top waiver priority. The Lions can have him. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine with him going to Detroit and causing a mess. That's okay. Look, Odell Beckham Jr. is a very good wide receiver. If just looking at the numbers, yeah, I'd want him on the team because he can make plays. He's a talented wide receiver. He was at LSU, too. But the off-the-field stuff, the drama, the forcing your way out of these teams, that's what I don't like. And I know people like Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN Radio said maybe Baker Mayfield's a problem. I mean, that could be. I don't know all the details on the situation. I'm speaking here with what I know now and the memory of how Odell Beckham left New York. He left the Giants. I remember when that all happened, and I'm seeing this happen, and it feels like I'm watching the same movie over again. Not to this extent, I'd say. Like, I feel like this Cleveland thing, I feel like what's happened in Cleveland with him is a little different than what happened in New York. But either way, my point stands. I don't want him near my favorite team's locker room. I don't want him near my quarterback. I want nothing to do with him. The Bears, by the way, this week, uh, they are off today. They play a Monday night football tomorrow against Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be nice primetime exposure for Justin Fields, and I'm not sure how that game's going to go. Ben Roethlisberger showed up on the injury report this week with, like, five different injuries. I'm exaggerating. It was only three different injuries he was dealing with, but the right shoulder was the new one. Mike Tomlin said Big Ben's going to play this week. And on the Bears' defense, Kolo Mack is out this week. Eddie Jackson is doubtful. So big news on both sides of the ball. And again, tomorrow, Monday Night Football. So we're not taking you up to kickoff today. If you want to enjoy a Bears-less Sunday of football, feel free. I know I will. I know my sister, who I've talked about, goes to school on the East Coast in Virginia and got to work a Ravens game a couple weeks ago. And she brought me home the hat that she was supposed to wear, but it didn't fit her. So it fits me. I'm wearing my Ravens hat today because Lamar Jackson's my starting quarterback in fantasy. So that shows you how I'm paying attention to games today. And I promise I will not complain about my fantasy team that much on the show. Okay, maybe a little bit. But either way, no Bears today. They Coming up tomorrow, Monday Night Football. 
I hope it's a decent game. I hope they play it close. That's all I want is a close game. They're not going to win. They're not going to beat Pittsburgh. Maybe they will. I'll, I'll gladly be wrong, but I don't think they're going to come close to winning that game tomorrow. And Jonah Blatt chimes in about uh, Odell Beckham to the Lions, maybe. He said he literally cannot make things worse. Yeah, it's uh, not great up there for your Detroit Lions there, Jonah. Yeah, that's uh, not a fun situation up there, is it? I have more NFL I want to talk about. But before I do that, i got to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I am coming to you from beautiful, scenic Dwight, Illinois, about an hour and a half south of the city. If you want to chime in on the conversation like Joan has been doing, slide into my DMs at Nick Schultz underscore seven. Or if you have my cell number, you can text me. I will keep checking that, whatever floats your boat. All right, the other big NFL story this week, and it's something I had, it was really my first big story for my new job at On3, is Aaron Rodgers. Now, as a Bears fan, I think you can guess my opinions on Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm not a fan. When he walked around saying, I own you to my favorite team, I did not like that. And then this week, uh, Packers are taking on the Chiefs today. It's really actually looking forward to watching this game because I want to see Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes again. Packers and Chiefs coming up today, and Aaron Rodgers is not playing. Aaron Rodgers might not play next week. Earlier this week, he tested positive for COVID-19, and reports came out that he is unvaccinated. Now, I'm not going to sit here. I was a journalism major, business minor, sitting here shaming a guy for not being vaccinated. He has his reasons. I still tell people to go get the shot. But I'm not going to sit up here and rip him because he didn't get the vaccine. He plays in the NFL. That's not, what I'm, that's not my point here. The reason I'm bringing this up and the reason why it was my first big story for on three is because Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show this week. And I did not pull the sound from this because I did not have 20 minutes to pull the entire clip of what he told Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk. Basically, and I'm going to do the Cliff Notes version, and I listened to it close because I had to transcribe it and write three stories on it for my job. Aaron Rodgers talked about how he's allergic to an ingredient in the mRNA vaccine, which is perfectly reasonable. That's That happens with these. I know people who have the same thing. So then he said he was going to get the Johnson & Johnson shot. But then the blood clot stuff happened, so he said he probably might not get that. So he was couldn't get the vaccine. So he did some immunization therapy or something along those lines. He said it, and I heard it, and I still, homeopathy, I think is the word he used. And the NHL considered him unvaccinated. But what got me 
with this entire clip and what made it go nuts on social media was when he brought up how the woke mob is coming for him and cancel culture. They're coming to put the final nail in his cancel culture coffin or however he put it. And he just went on and on and on and on. And he just didn't stop. And this whole thing just... I've got my COVID vaccine. At the end of every show, I tell you to get the vaccine when you can. I don't like misinformation ever. I mean, that's, wow, that seems like a real hot take, right? Oh, don't spread misinformation. Don't lie. Blah, 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 blah. I, yeah, I, I understand what I just said. I know what I'm saying. But for a guy of his stature, now putting football aside, because I have my football opinions of him as a fan, but from a football standpoint, from an NFL standpoint, how's that? He's one of the most prominent players in the NFL. He won the MVP last year. He's won a Super Bowl ring. He's one of the most recognizable players in the NFL. That's why he does all those State Farm commercials. And he hosted Jeopardy. This man hosted Jeopardy, by the way. And he compared his research into COVID-19 vaccines as he compared it to the research he did for Jeopardy before citing his good friend Joe Rogan. He's one of the most prominent players in the league. For him to go out there and say what he said, there are people who listen to him. Obviously, there are people who listen to him and listen to what he has to say. It was irresponsible what he did. And Terry Bradshaw was on NFL on Fox the day before the games, and he... Here's his quote. It would have been nice if Aaron came down to the Naval Academy and learned to be honest. Learned not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied. Because remember, in August, he was asked if he was vaccinated, and he told the media, yeah, I'm immunized. And then he criticized the media for not asking a follow-up question to that. I don't know. But then Michael Strahan came in right after Terry Bradshaw and said, there are times to quote MLK, and this was not one of them. Yes, that was the other thing. He quoted Martin Luther King Jr. So this man, let me give you the cliff note version of this press conference here. He told Pat McAfee, who, by the way, I love Pat McAfee. He told a former punter and one of his former teammates that He's allergic to something in the vaccine, which is reasonable. He went through this homeopathy therapy. The media and the woke mob and cancel culture are out to get him. He quoted Martin Luther King Jr. And he said during this entire journey, he has listened and learned a lot of things from his now good friend, Joe Rogan. Did I get everything? I might have even missed something in there. That's what this was. If you missed the interview, you really didn't miss much. I mean, you missed a lot of stupid things.
Yeah, the immunized comment still cracks me up. I didn't lie. I said I was immunized. That's not what the question was, and you started the answer with the word yeah. I've been waiting a few days to talk about this. Can you tell? And Jonah chimes in, dude needs to get that medical exemption. If he has that allergy to the Pfizer and Moderna shots and the J&J &J blood clots occurred very much so not in his demographic, I believe, with middle-aged women ex exclusively, if I recall correctly. Whole interview reeks of him just looking for a reason not to, not to get it, not to get the shot, in my opinion. Yeah, I would guess he could get a medical exemption. And I know the J and J. I know people who didn't get people who aren't in that demographic that didn't get the J and J shot because of the blood clots. Like, I mean, that's it's a concern. It's a thing that happens. But my problem is not so much with him not getting the shot because that I tell you to get the shot if you. If you don't get it and you have your reasons, you have your reasons. We will, I'll leave it at that. Like, he has a valid reason for not getting the COVID shot. But it's going out there and just lighting up the, quote, the woke mob comment cracks me up. And then ripping the media for the witch hunt that's going on. And so I just, his good friend Joe Rogan said, no. So as this interview happened, this was on, I believe, Thursday. This interview happened early afternoon. And as I was working, I had 670 to score on. And Parkinson Spiegel brought on a doctor from Rush Medical Center. He's an infectious disease doctor, so he's pretty qualified to talk about this stuff. And they had him fact check some of the stuff that Roger said, and it a lot of misinformation in there. Because that's the biggest thing with this whole interview is the misinformation. So I had to get that off my chest because it came up on, I've got Sunday NFL countdown on my TV, and it came up on there, and I'm like, I need to get this off my chest. Speaking of Sunday NFL countdown, I need to find this. I hope ESPN puts this out there. I wanted to tweet it, but I didn't. I want to find, or if someone can find me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, if someone can find me the story they did on the impact of Phil Collins' in the air tonight on the NFL and how football players and even college, how football players use that song for motivation and what it means and the what the song means in comparison to football. If someone finds that or if I find that, I'm going to share it. It was awesome. So I, that just, I had to compliment the, the crew with Sunday NFL Countdown because, yes, I was sitting here because I had the song going in the background, and, yes, I sat here making my notes, dropped my pen, and did the drum solo and then started writing again. So I've got to try. And, I've I got to find a way to find that. A couple baseball notes before we move on to college basketball talk. Um, if you're just joining the show, uh, the big news that we're kind of following throughout the show today, and we'll have some more quotes coming in. It looks like looks like the press conference is done. Um, Jerry Colleton fired his Blackhawks head coach yesterday. Derek King is, I guess, called up. 
for all intents and purposes, from the Rockford Icehawks to serve as assistant coach, or assistant, interim coach. And interim GM Kyle Davidson said that he's going to be the coach through the rest of the year with the interim tag. Um, we did learn that they're looking to fill one more assistant coaching spot. And if I can find it again on my tweet deck here, basically what was said was there was nobody that was ready right now for the other assistant spot, but they're going to find somebody. The I know Blackhawks fans, including myself, want to see Brian Campbell take that for defense because the defense is horrible. But that's what we're following even for the next 20 minutes here. Jeremy Colleton out as Blackhawks head coach. Derek King is in, and we're, we're going to get more information regarding what's next for the Blackhawks and how this new era is going to go forward. I've not seen, I don't know if he was asked about everything that happened in the last couple weeks. But back to baseball here, uh, the Cubs kind of maybe dropped my cup of coffee this week when I saw they got Wade Miley from Cincinnati. They got him off the waiver wire. And the Reds GM was quoted saying the Cubs were not one of the teams that expressed interest when they put Miley on the trade block. So they put him on the waiver wire and the Cubs took him because other teams pass. That's how the waiver wire works. It goes uh, down the list. You've got all 30 teams and it starts with Team 1, Team 2, Team 3, and you go down the list, and the Cubs were, I think, 10th. And they just put a claim in and got him. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess they finessed the Reds a little bit. But that's the thing. Wade Miley's on the Cubs. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is not coming back to the White Sox, but Craig Kimbrell is. I know White Sox fans are going to love hearing that, but... According to what Bob Nightingale said a couple weeks ago, and I know it's Bob Nightingale, I know he has a tendency to be wrong, but he has a red phone that must go directly to Jerry Reinsdorf's office, so I trust him on this. The plan is, or at least according to him, pick up Kimbrell's option, which they did, and then find a trade suitor. So stay tuned for more on that, but for right now, Craig Kimbrell is staying with the White Sox. Rick Hahn met the media this week, and there wasn't really anything mind-blowing in there. Uh, Tony La Russa is coming back. He confirmed that. Uh, the coaching staff is coming back. Um, he talked about the White Sox lack of shifts. And that was one thing that kind of translated to the Atlanta Braves run to the World Series, which congratulations to the Atlanta Braves on winning the World Series. That was impressive what they did, considering they were in the same position the Cubs were at the trade deadline. Braves went all in, won the World Series. Cubs gave up. But as I, I'm not going to criticize that because I was sitting here saying the Cubs needed to give up. And I also just want to give one shout out my my good friend uh, Dan Humbert from here in Dwight, biggest Braves fan I know. I was super happy for him and all of Braves Nation when the Braves won the World Series. So I just got to give Dan a little shout out there as well. College hoops. We've got to move on to college hoops because two more days. We are two days away from one of the best stretches of sports of the year. 
college college basketball starts Tuesday. We've got some big games on the schedule too, and I'm so happy that college hoops is coming back. I'm especially happy to see Missouri Valley basketball coming back. You know, I mean, on the show we focus a little more on Loyola. Obviously, we're Loyola Student Station. We got to focus more on the Ramblers, and they start their schedule with Coppin State. On Tuesday, that game will be on NBC Sports Chicago Plus. Waiting to see who's on the call for that one. But Loyola starts Tuesday against Coppin State. Then they have actually a pretty, that's a big name, Florida Gulf Coast coming to town on Saturday. That's on NBC Sports Chicago, Maine. Yeah, the Ramblers look good. In their exhibition game against UW, Stout 93-41. to Now, I told you previously when we talked about the secret scrimmage, you cannot play Division I teams in exhibition. It's a stupid NCAA rule. That's why you had those scrimmage games. But that's that's why they won 93-41. to They're playing UW Stout, which I've never even heard of. Looking at the star performers of that game, Braden Norris continues to shoot lights out. Five of seven from three point. He was 17 points. Lucas Williamson had 11 points. And here, Uguak and Jacob Hudson each had 10. St. Thomas, who was a pretty high, highly touted recruit. Yes, his name is St. Thomas playing for Loyola, Chicago. Uh, he, had, he had eight points and six rebounds. Now, you know, Exhibition games you got to take with a grain of salt because of the quality of the opponent. They're not playing Wisconsin like they did in the secret scrimmage, which Loyola won. Remember, I told you that, citing sources. And I guess I I'm a, I called him my resident Lions fan a little bit ago. Uh, he is currently the insider right now because he was at that exhibition game. Jonah Blatt said St. Thomas looked amazing in last week's exhibition. I've heard that from people, other people who were there as well. You know, we talked a lot going into this year about Ben Schweiger and T.Y. Johnson, how they were the big-name freshmen. Yeah, Chris Knight and Ryan Schweiger, I don't know if they're related, coming in from the Ivy League. They're pretty big-name recruits as well. St. Thomas is the biggest recruit of them all. And that was a great get for, I'm going to call it Drew Valentine, because the recruiting process, that I remember what all happened, that all started when Porter Moser left for Oklahoma. That's when that started. And then I think it was like maybe a week after Drew got the head coaching job at Loyola that Saint committed to Loyola, which was really cool. So he's what I'm looking for. Again, eight points, six rebounds. Uh, Ryan Schwieger came over from the Ivy League. Uh, he had nine points, four rebounds, came over from Princeton. And Chris Knight had two points, five rebounds coming over from Dartmouth. Now those guys, I heard, I listened to the, highlights and the quotes from Loyola Athletics. Uh, Drew Valentine brought up a good point. Those guys didn't play a basketball game last year because the Ivy League canceled their season. So that was the first game that those two have played in a couple years. So those guys, I expect to maybe take their time with development, getting into the system. I expect I expect this team to be playing well, maybe not at high, as high a level as last year because you did lose the heart and soul of the offense at Cameron Crotway, but Jacob Hudson's going to be a great replacement. 10.6 boards from the big man. He could shoot the three ball, too. He didn't attempt one. 
in this game against UW Stout, but we know he has range. That was the one thing that we criticized Crud about a lot. Not really criticized, but one thing, his biggest weakness was shooting range. You know, Porter used to joke that Crud got more range. He's making it from two feet from the basket instead of one. So Jacob Hudson's in. He can stretch the floor a little bit more, actually a lot more, than Crutwig, the big man, Jacob Hudson. And Lucas Williamson's still going to be one of the best defenders in the country. I'm not saying I'm not just saying the best defender in the conference. I'm saying one of the best defenders in the country this year. Uh, nobody played more than 22 minutes in this exhibition game, and you guessed it, it was Lucas Williamson and Braden Norris who played all 22. Braden actually played 40 minutes in plenty of games last year, including all the NCAA tournament games. But I cannot wait to see Loyola back on the floor. It's going to be weird this year. So last year, obviously, I kind of moonlighted as a blogger, and I did my my post-game shows on Twitter, which just, it was good to just get some reps, keep around the league for a year. Now working for On3, I'm uh, not going to be doing as much of that. I'm just going to be watching kind of as a fan, kind of as a reporter, because I'm on the national News desk at on three, so I can't really show my fandom that much, but at the same time, I'm going to be watching as a fan, and I just can't wait for college basketball to come back as a whole. And even, I believe the Champions Classic is coming up Tuesday. Because that's usually the biggest game, the biggest names in college basketball tip off the season. And here's who we've got. We've got Duke, Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky all squaring off in that one that's coming up in they actually have a countdown on the front of the website. Two days, seven hours, nine minutes, if anyone's counting, if you care that much. I just say it's coming up Tuesday. It's coming up, and they're at Madison Square Garden. So in the next few weeks, we've got college basketball. we still got college football, which crazy, crazy, crazy slate of games yesterday in college football. We've got the NBA. We've got the NFL. We've got the NHL. It is a great time to be a sports fan coming up this year. It's going to take a lot for me to turn off ESPN these next few weeks because there's going to be so much on. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm going to be dialed in to the Missouri Valley Conference, especially this year. We will talk about that a lot on the show, and I'm going to do a lot of basketball-heavy shows going forward because I love talking Missouri Valley basketball. And that's the good thing about still keeping the show as I start my full-time job is I can still talk about it from a Loyola standpoint, from a Missouri Valley standpoint, maybe go up for a couple games and get a media credential. Like I'm hoping, I, no, I'm not hoping. I am going to make it up to Gentile Arena at some point this year. I'll tell you when that is and stop by say, hey. But I can't wait. Been waiting for this for a while. Now going back to the Bears to wrap up the show. Obviously, they're on Monday Night Football. Tomorrow night, 7-20 kickoff against Pittsburgh Steelers on the road in Pittsburgh. Not expecting the Bears to win that one. As I said, Khalil Mack is out. Eddie Jackson is doubtful. I'm going to pull up the, pull, the full injury report. For the Bears. Uh, J.P. Holtz uh, is dealing with a concussion. He's a tight end. He is out. Damian Williams is out with a knee injury, so that means Khalil Herbert's going to be RB2. 
Alec Ogletree, a linebacker, is questionable. Eddie Jackson is doubtful with that hamstring injury. And Darnell Mooney is questionable. He suffered a groin injury in practice. And Khalil Herbert is going to be RB2 because David Montgomery, it sounds like, is coming back from injured reserve. So that's good to see that Montgomery is coming back to be RB1. I'm on a... I'm very curious to see how much he's used considering the success Khalil Herbert has had in carrying the load. I really thought that Damian Williams was going to light it up while Montgomery was coming back from that injury. But then he got on the COVID list and Khalil Herbert went off. So now Khalil Herbert's going to be RB2 with Damian Williams officially out. So we're going to see how Justin Fields' skill set meshes with David Montgomery's skill set. I expect to see a lot of running game tomorrow night. I expect, I expect the run game to be doing a lot of work in Pittsburgh tomorrow. Now, Pittsburgh's defense is pretty solid on the run game front, so we're going to see what happens from there. But no, last week, I haven't even talked about this yet. I cannot believe it took me this long to talk about this. This was the Justin Fields breakout game we were expecting. Now, full, I got I to give full disclosure. I took a nap at halftime and slept through the third quarter. Expected it to be like, you know, a 15-minute nap during halftime. I slept through the third quarter. But I did wake up just in time to see whatever that scramble was that Fields did, that 22 yards. I don't know how many yards he had on that because he ran backwards. I'm making another Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory reference here. He ran sideways and slant rays and front ways. And He found the end zone. It was impressive. I thought that was going to be the play that turned the game around, but then the Bears' defense just decided not to play defense anymore. But that was the breakout game Justin Fields needed last week against San Francisco. And I hope that momentum can carry through this week. Now, the other question is, we saw how he looked last week without Matt Nagy on the sidelines because Matt Nagy had COVID. And I say again, he was watching from his COVID bunker, which was apparently also known as a hotel in Lake Forest. So Chris Tabor was the head coach, quote unquote. He's the acting head coach. And Justin Fields had a great day. We're going to learn a lot about Matt Nagy this week because if Justin Fields doesn't have that kind of day again. Now, Bill Lazor's still calling plays. Matt Nagy's not calling the plays. He hasn't for a few weeks now. That The play calling is not the issue. The issue is, is Matt Nagy going to handcuff the quarterback or is he going to, like I said last week, let Justin be Justin? If Justin Fields has, I won't say a bad day, if he has an okay-ish day, a shaky day, then we know the problem. I mean, I think we know the problem now, that Matt Nagy is the problem. I'm not saying Matt Nagy needs to come back next year. But we're going to learn just how much of a role he plays in Justin Fields' development this coming well, this coming game, tomorrow, against Pittsburgh in primetime, no less. And I'm sure Brian Greasy's going to have a lot to say about that. And I'm sure Lewis Riddick's going to have a lot to say about that. But the fact that the Bears are in primetime, so if they if they play bad in primetime again, this is a national stage. Depending on how bad they play, if they play anywhere close to the Browns game or the Buccaneers game, then it's going to be a long week for Matt Nagy and the PR staff at Hallis Hall. 
So again, 720 tomorrow night in Pittsburgh, Bears, Steelers, Monday Night Football, Justin Fields getting the primetime treatment. No Khalil Mack, no Damian Williams, probably no Eddie Jackson. But David Montgomery is coming back. I'm just going to give my prediction now. I'm saying Steelers 21 to 10. Bears don't play well on primetime. They're going into Pittsburgh, hostile environment. Pittsburgh's defense is solid. I'm saying Steelers 21 to 10. So that's what I think is going to happen tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, Lisa Salter's on the call. They got the A-team coming out. I really like this Monday night booth. I know people don't. I do. I think Steve Levy's got a good voice for football. I think Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick do a really good job breaking down the game, even though they sound pretty similar to each other, which I don't like. But I, I think they work well together in the booth. It's going to be a, a well-called game, and I hope it's a good game. Like I, I say the Bears are going to lose 21-10. to 10. But I hope it's closer than that. I hope that they play well, and I hope Justin Fields does what he does does what he did last week. Didn't even get to talk about the Bulls today with everything going on. Joel Embiid continues to just take over the Bulls. He, I don't want to make, I don't want to make a Joel Embiid owns the Bulls reference because that goes back to Aaron Rodgers. But Joel Embiid plays like he owns the Bulls. They have no answer for him. That was evidence last night. And the, the game before against Philadelphia. Here's the upcoming schedule, by the way, for the Bulls, because it's not getting easier. Home against the Nets, home against the Mavs, at Golden State, at the Clippers. The big thing for the Bulls going forward is if Nikola Vucevic can find his shot. That was one of the reasons they lost last night. One for seven from three-point distance from the Vooch. He's got to find his shot. I think he'll happen. I, I think he'll find it. I think it'll happen. He's too good a player for it not to. All right, I got to get out of here. Uh, thank you for following today during the breaking news. Obviously, Jeremy Colleton out, Blackhawks head coach. They met the media today. Uh, interim GM Kyle Davidson, interim coach Derek King did. Uh, Blackhawks play tonight, funny enough. That game, if you want to watch the Blackhawks game, it's coming up 6 p.m. against Nashville. Very curious to see what kind of reception Derek King gets, considering Jeremy Colleton got booed every home game this year. So maybe I'll actually watch. No, I'm not, I'm not going to watch tonight. I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, get the vaccine when you can. I look forward to talking back with you next time here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WOUW 88.7 FM. Bears on Monday Night Football tomorrow night. Enjoy your Bears list Sunday. Enjoy the games. Have an awesome week, everybody.